All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Thursday, January 19th of 2023. Got a four-game NBA slate. I know golf already kicked off about two hours ago. Should be a fun day uh, for, for those playing golf, playing some round one showdown. Also got a 13-game NHL slate, so a lot of action Coming at you guys today, uh, for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at Sabersim. This is a show where we go over how to use the Sabersim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions that come in live in the YouTube chat or over in the Office Hours channel on our Discord server. If you guys aren't in our Discord, there's a link in the description below to get joined up. Highly recommend it, as always. Uh, you know, there was a question yesterday uh, regarding if we account for DVP, which is defense versus position, in our NBA model, right? I said I would go back to the team and follow up. There was actually some discussion about DVP in the NBA channel today. I'm going to touch on that, but that is just one example of why being in the Discord is such a great uh, thing. Uh, you can, you know, hear members of the team answer questions. Everybody from the staff is really involved and uh, always willing to interact with all of the users. So just one reason for joining the Discord there. Uh, if you're not joined up with SaberSim and want to check us out, there's a link to a seven-day, no-strings-attached free trial in the description as well. Give us a shot. Come here and ask questions. Get your questions answered. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. You could find me here. But that being said, going to get SaberSim pulled up here. Uh, wanted to touch on the DVP thing first. So, you know, the question yesterday uh, from Frank, I believe, was, you know, do we account for DVP in the sim? And I, I took it back to the team, asked. I had an answer. It came up earlier today in the NBA channel. One of our data scientists, Eric, uh, wrote out this very thoughtful, thoughtful response, posted it in the chat, going to read it here. So Eric said, for what it's worth, we don't explicitly consider DVP within the NBA model. This is mostly because of the positionless nature of basketball now. It's really hard to put Tatum, Jokic, etc. in a box and assume that we should bump someone like Jokic because of good performances of other non-ball handling centers, for example. Instead, we'll look at the statistics against a defense somewhat oversimplified and use those to bump slash drop the players. So, for example, if Team A gives up a ton of offensive rebounds, we're going to bump the players on Team B that get a bunch of offensive rebounds. These may mostly be centers, but this way we'll apply that defensive effect to how each individual offensive player plays. The same goes for three-point attempts, two-point attempts, free throw rate, assist rate, and more with varying degrees of this stat. It, uh, with varying degrees of this, um, this stat is X percent offense and X percent defense, which is formulated as a result of how predictive each side of the ball is on that given stat. So, so, you know, kind of one of my takeaways from this is, is really that, you know, defense versus position is almost not specific enough, right? It, it is accounting for uh, positions, but it is not accounting for individual players. It seems, you know, from this response that we are going a step further and taking this 
on a more player-by-player -player basis, which seems much better in my opinion. So really appreciate Eric for the thoughtful response. If anybody has any follow-up, you know, the NBA channel is a great place to put that and just follow along with the thread there. Or if you guys have questions, you can post them here and I can get uh, some more feedback from the team on that. But wanted to get back to Frank specifically here, bringing up this question yesterday. And from there, we are going to move on. I uh, had one question come in from support here, and I think this is another good one to touch on. So I'm going to get this one in the chat, and we will talk about this. Question from support said, I'm a fairly new user and like the product. I'm trying to understand how the lineups in the pool are built. If I select – oh, I see my man Frank is here. Frank, happy to get back to you, my man. Uh, I'm trying to understand how the lineups in the pool are built. If I select 5,000 lineups with a sim diversity of 10, are those the only factors that go into building the pool? Are correlation and ownership only considered in choosing lineups from the pool, or are they used in making the pool? I'd like to run a simulation only looking at the 5,000 optimal lineups that are produced based on the individual simulations, some diversity of 10 individual games. Is that what the pool is? Uh, so this is a really good question, right? Kind of trying to understand uh, at what different points do correlation and ownership get applied and, and really get counted, right? So so here on the build screen, right? If you hit manual mode, you can see the sliders here. The sliders are inputs to the build. So this is going to essentially affect what players' projections are. So if you have an ownership fade that is really high, what it is going to do is it is going to Okay, so, so let me take a step back. So what we're going to do is we are going to, you know, bucket the Sims and pull the Sims out and get the player's projection from whatever group of Sims that we pull out. After that step, we are going to apply an ownership multiplier to players based on what their ownership is compared to other players at the position. So if we are looking at point guards, if there is a high-owned point guard, he is going to get negatively multiplied and a player with a low ownership who is a point guard is going to get like a positive multiplier and as ownership fade goes up it hurts high owned players and helps lower owned players so if you want to look at the sims without this metric applied what i would suggest doing is running a build on 0010 settings which we refer to as a research build which you are alluding to in this question what this will do is it will take single slate optimals so it will simulate each game once as a set and then construct the optimal lineup from that set of game sims and make that your lineup and that is essentially what an optimal is it is applying no correlation multiplier no ownership fade multiplier just getting you what the sims produce the sims do have natural correlations in there but this slider is essentially trying to boost the amount of correlation that we see in your lineups. So if you're looking for a way to see what the quote unquote optimals are, I would run a 0010 build. You know, you could run a build like this and then run a build at, at regular slider settings to see how they are different, right? I think that is a good way of doing it. Um, just getting back to this, you know, I, I feel like we addressed one part of this. Um, the, the question is, you know, is, is that what the pool is, right? So, so, so basically, you know, the sliders affect what players get into your lineups, right? 
And then from there, that's where Saber score comes into effect. Saber score will then grade all the lineups that have been built based on your slider settings, based on the inputs in the home screen, etc. And, you know, based on rules, whatever, stacking rules, uh, whatever you have in there. And then Saber score will look at all the lineups as a whole, you know, 500 lineups, and then decide, okay, this is your rank one, this is your rank two, and then rank them one to 500. So the sliders affect the players that get into your lineups, and then Saber score then grades the lineups based on the slider settings because Saber score is dynamic. It will uh, it will account for different things in the algorithm more or less depending on what the slider settings are. So if it's a high ownership fade, Saber score is is grading with that in mind. If if ownership fade is turned off, Saber score is grading with the fact that uh, ownership fade is now turned off. Um, interesting here. It looks like the sliders just got a little messed up for a second, but it's it's working correctly. So that is that is how you know correlation and ownership fade uh, come into play. There, we will get a timestamped recording over to whoever sent this in from support. Uh, but if you guys, if if the person you know who sent this question in has any follow up, just reply to our support team, and we will make sure to get you a thoughtful response. So I'm just gonna make a note here: uh, send recording for support question. And then we are going to move on here for support question. Okay. So now that we have gotten through uh, the follow-up and the support questions, going to jump over to Discord. Saw some questions come in here. So this should keep us busy. Uh, Seth Nelson is actually watching. Seth, uh, glad you were able to catch the stream. And if you have any follow-up, just let me know. Sounds like... Uh, that was the answer you were looking for. So happy to provide that for you there. All right. Got a question from JC479 in the Discord. Uh, JC said, how much of a change in projection would you consider worth it to run a late swap? Uh, I think this is actually a really sharp question, right? You know, we talk about uh, late swap and we talk about, you know, I think I think the one thing that, that people do not like about NBA DFS in general is having to be available, having to constantly be watching for injury news and make themselves available to do swaps, right? Uh, for, for other sports, you know, when it's, when it's baseball season, uh, even even NFL, you know, it's kind of like set it and forget it, you know, go go enjoy the games, go do other things, right? But, but for NBA, you know, we are always on the lookout for guys getting rolled out. Uh, you know, Rishon Holmes last night was a, was a great example. Sabonis gets ruled out in the last game of the night and Holmes becomes a great value play. So if, if you had not kind of prepared for that situation, you know, now that was something that you probably had to go back and swap for, right? Um, what, what kind of projection adjustment really makes that worth it? I, I think that's a good question. I will start by saying, you know, if you are not somebody who is like tuned in to NBA, you know, maybe you're just playing NBA for the first season uh, maybe you are just playing NBA and trying to apply game theory aspects of DFS as a whole to NBA, but you did not know, you know, a lot of the players and teams and the rosters. And, and you know, if, if I showed you one lineup on one night and I swapped a guy on, in a lineup for, for the next game and, and you wouldn't catch that, you know, I really think the best thing that you can do is just plan to late swap before every start time. You're not going to lose a lot 
by doing that, all you're going to do is be taking advantage of the latest and greatest Sims. And, and rather than trying to uh, make a judgment call as to whether or not a swap is, is worth it. I, I think, you know, if you're not super plugged in and you go that approach, you could probably miss a swap when, when one was like really needed. Right. If, if you're not plugged in, right. If you're trying to make a judgment call, um, I, I think in that scenario, it's better to just always plan on swapping, right? You know, set the alarm on your phone. Uh, SaberSim on mobile works great for swaps. I use it all the time when I'm out and about. Uh, we don't have like a app that you could download in the app store, but if you go to like a web browser, uh, Safari or, or Firefox or Chrome, you can access SaberSim. You can uh, download and upload your entries file from the web, you know, using DraftKings on the web or, or FanDuel on the web. Uh, that all works really well, and and I'm frankly happy that we support it in such a good fashion. Um, I, I think that, you know, as far as projection adjustments, sometimes it's hard to tell because the, the, the projections will update, right? And if you do not remember what somebody's, um, what somebody's point projection was prior, then it gets a little hard. I think what you can probably do is run like um, maybe like a test late swap or check the values of players. You know, if if the starting lineup for the 76ers comes out tonight and maybe, you know, Shake Milton is now starting, but you didn't know what his projection was prior, all you see is that, you know, Shake Milton has a green check mark and his value is now, you know, high fives, you know, maybe low sixes, uh, two things I would do. One, I would probably go and check my entries file to see how much of this player I had. And if I have zero of this player, that probably tells me that, you know what, maybe I should consider swapping. I think one thing, you know, that, that probably, um, goes unnoticed is like, you can run a late swap without applying that late swap to your lineups, right? You could run like a test late swap. So so let's say, you know, slate started. I have um, a scenario where I, th I think I might need to swap. What I would probably do is, you know, I would come in here to uh, the late swap. I would run a late swap. And then I would just compare that to my to my entries and what my exposures already are. So, so you come in, you run your late swap, right? And, you know, let's just pretend you know we're just going to run like a normal build here at um at normal settings and nothing special here but but what i would probably do is i would probably run a late swap and then can pull up my entry screen and then see what the two values are i think there's a couple ways to do this just like uh technically right you can you can have two screens of saber sim open at the same time for anybody who doesn't know that uh you know i use it all the time for when i am playing um, FanDuel and DraftKings, I have like one screen with FanDuel open and then I have another screen with DraftKings open. I, I really wouldn't recommend having two screens of the same slate open mostly be, and, and actively using them because that can cause issues with, uh, with like continuity issues of which one it, are you actually using and are you refreshing them, you know, often enough for, for them to be synced up. But I think for the sake of this example, you could probably do it. So, so what I would do is 
I would have one screen like this where I ran a late swap. You know, let's say this is my late swap. I'm going to compare my exposures. I'm going to pull up a second screen of SaberSim at where, where I am looking at my entries tab and comparing my exposures, right? So you can do that by pulling up two screens uh, of SaberSim, you know, two tabs in your web browser and comparing the two. Or, you know, another thing that you could probably do if you didn't want to do that is you could just take a screenshot of like your exposures here. The easiest way that I know of is, is uh, I'm on Windows. So you could either use a Windows print screen if you're if you're using like one screen on a laptop. If you have like multiple screens and you use Windows print screen, it will print all of your monitors at the same time. So like I have three monitors. So when I do that, I get this very uh, narrowed uh, screenshot. doesn't work great. I prefer to prefer to use Windows Shift S. If you use Windows Shift S, it will uh, basically give you like a snippet and then you can like grab whatever portion of the screen that you want to see. And then I would just, uh, and then usually it'll like pop up on your screen and you can just open it as like a image file. So then you can like compare the image file to your exposures and then see what the differences are, right? So I think that's like two good ways to figure out if a swap is necessary. Um, I think trying to look at projections and remember what previous projections were can get a little hard and you're probably more likely to make mistakes in, in that way. So just a note for everybody there. Uh, good question, JC. Very thoughtful question. And uh, going to gonna move on here. Had a question from Larson. And Larson said, Andrew, if I wanted to use two lineups in cash or multipliers, do I use unique rank or unique random as the fill method? Will it split the lineups evenly between all of the entries? Okay, this is a good question, right? So let's say that I have, um, let's say that I have two lineups here, right? And I want to fill these lineups um, into my contest, but I want to make sure both of them get used, right? So if, if you are using um, the default fill methods here, I think I have a lineup file. Just download this real quick. So going to get this lineup file in here. And what I'm going to do, right? Let's say I'm going to use this file. I'm going to save it. Okay, so, so if I go up here to fill method, right? If I use rank, what it is going to do for all of these single entries, it is going to put my top lineup, this rank one, into all of them. So I will only have one lineup go into all of these uh, contests. If I use unique rank, what it's going to do is going to put the number one, then the number two, number one, number two, number one, number two. And it's going to use both until it uses the first one again. If I use unique random, what it's going to do is it's going to take all of these contests, number one or number two could go into this one. Number one or number two could go into this one. It's going to, it's going to use them evenly, but it's not going to use them evenly uh or, or in order descending it's going to be more random right so that is how the fill methods are used i would definitely use unique random or unique rank uh, i prefer to use unique rank but that that is the default fill method now unique rank so just a note for you guys there that is how that works all right uh next question from kentucky nick here kentucky nick said what do we do when a build gives us 80 to 90% of one player for 150 or more lineups? Is there a way to add exposure to an entire team? Is this better to do before or after the build? Okay, couple questions here. Good questions, Kentucky Nick. What I would say is 
I'm going to start with the second part of the question. Is there a way to add exposure to an entire team? Yes, there is. And the way I would do that is in the team stacks tab. If I run a build, I come over here to the team stacks. I can add exposure to teams. I could do it on a two stack level, a three stack level, a four stack level, a five stack level on DraftKings. If you're playing FanDuel, FanDuel only allows up to four stacks, just so you guys know. But this is how I would add exposure to a team. If you are very uh, specific in the amount of players that you want for the stacks, do it in the two, three, four, five stacks tab. If you do not care and you just want SaberSim to add exposure to a team and, and let SaberSim kind of handle the way that the teams are being used at, at what stack level, do it on a uh, do it in the all tab and let SaberSim kind of figure out how to go about adding them to your pool from there. Getting back to the first part of the question, you know, what do we do when a build gives us 80 to 90% of one player for 150 or more lineups? Uh, that that's totally up to you, right? The the way you're phrasing the question makes me feel like you are uneasy about that. And like, that's okay, right? If I have, you know, 150 lineups, and this is a great example, you know, I have Saban Lee in 96% of them. You know, to, to some people, that's fine. To, to some people, they're like, you know, I already have 96%. I might as well have 100, right? And, and they'll just bump this to 100. The way you're phrasing it sounds like, you know, you're you're kind of um, unsure of that decision. You know, maybe that's too much risk to a single asset in your, you know, portfolio of, of players, of lineups. That's okay too, right? All you would do is, well, all I would suggest, first thing I would suggest is changing this min uniques player rather than just coming in here and decreasing the exposure to, to this one individual. By, by using the min uniques, this is going to be a more organic form of adjusting exposures and it's going to do it, you know, for, for multiple players, right. All at the same time. So by doing this, you know, I'm, I'm increasing to three min uniques. Uh, my, my exposure to Sabin Lee has not gone down very far. You know, once I get to this mini unique four, I'm already running out of lineups in my 500 pool. Right. So I'm going to go back to three where my threshold was. And then if this is still too much exposure, maybe I want to like match the pool. I could come in here and I could just adjust this down. I would always suggest adjusting exposures to a point that makes you feel comfortable. You know, never play a set of lineups that, that you do not feel comfortable with regardless of the outcome, you know, and um, manage your risk appropriately. Right. But, but di different people have different risk tolerances are playing different amounts of their bankroll on a night to night basis. Some people are playing less bankroll and taking more aggressive stance. Some people are playing more bankroll and want to uh, spread out and diversify more. So it depends on the type of player you are. I would always start with the min uniques and then, you know, make some final fine tune adjustments to my players on a player by player basis. But I think that is probably a good recipe uh, for managing your risk post build there. All right. Uh, next question here from, it looks like Karen's 99. Let me know if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Question says, uh, typically for sports betting, you want to get the early lines. However, if you are using the Saberson projections, sometimes they can move significantly throughout the day slash week. Thoughts on the best time to utilize the Sims when placing bets and then follow it up with specifically NBA and NFL player props and game lines. Yeah, so I think that it definitely varies between NBA and NFL. Um, 
if I am concerned, you know, let's talk about NFL first. I think by the end of the week, you're, you're usually fine. Um, you know, I think injury news is going to affect this throughout the week. You know, if I, I I'm going to play this one, you know, kind of safe here and, and say that uh, usually teams have, you know, their final injury report. I think after the final injury report, you know, nothing's really going to change between that final injury report and game time. So I would say uh, after the final injury report, I would be more than comfortable uh, placing bets. So if a game, they usually have like a one day uh, break between injury report and game time. So I think that, you know, if they play on Sunday, the final injury report comes out on Friday. I would be more than comfortable placing bets on, on Friday afternoon, Friday evening. If they're playing Saturday, I'm pretty sure the final injury report will come out on Thursday. So, you know, by um, end of day today, midday today, you know, if you're looking ahead to those Saturday games, I would feel uh, comfortable placing bets for those games. Talking about NBA, right? Uh, NBA is a little different. Frankly, what I have told people in the past is, you know, if the start time is uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, you should feel pretty comfortable placing um bets based on detailed stats my guess would be around probably two hours to game lock you know if you are uh on saber sim on the east coast uh 5 p.m eastern seems pretty safe or or around that time i think that you know anything within you know one to two hours prior to game time is like pretty pretty much our our final projections barring any injury news right so i think that's another really safe time to to utilize Saberson to to do any betting on but good question there all right scrolling down here uh question from phantom and this is our last question in the discord we will be hopping over to youtube chat right after this all right phantom said you mentioned preferring unique rank now and i mentioned being a proponent of the profit plan with that are you just ranking your contest then based on prize payout or doing one unique rank for diversifiers and a separate unique rank uh, for elevators with lineups getting ranked by whatever sorting method you choose. I didn't know if there would be any concerns of lineup quality decreasing based on your sorting method. Feel like unique random would help with variance, but just curious how unique rank has been working out. Hope that makes sense. Thanks. Phantom. Yep. This is a good question. Um, so the way that I prefer to do it is I'm still separating by, um, you know, diversifiers and elevator type contests building two, sets for those and then um applying my fill method unique rank for those two sets so for instance you know i'm taking all of my 20 max and 150 max doing one build taking the total number of unique entries building that exact number of unique lineups that way each lineup only gets used once and then um filling that base usually the way i prefer to do it is i prefer to do it based on prize pool uh or, or dollar value, right? It, it depends. Um, you know, there are no like hard and fast rules there. I think that, you know, a good example here, uh, which we could use, right? So if I were to go into fill, filling my lineups here, you know, the first thing I'm probably doing is, is my diversifiers first. I, I'm usually just looking at the price pool here. So like I would probably put the $1.20 max at the top and then make sure my top 20 lineups went into this one because the price pool is is 40,000. Um, I'm also usually making sure all my GPPs are filled before my satellites. You know, that that's not to say like that's the right thing to do, but 
you know, like all of these uh, satellites are like a $25 ticket. Like I'm more concerned about the cash value of these other contests first before really getting into my satellites. So, so that's one thing that, that I'm looking at specifically. Uh, Another thing is that, um, you know, sometimes a contest is, is more, um, more, more money than another one. Right. So like, I would always want to make sure, like, let's say these two contests were both 8.5 K price pool, this, this $2, 150 max, which I have 50 entries to, and this 25 cent, 20 max, which I have, uh, which is a 7.5 K price pool. You know, even, even though let's say the price pools were the same, I would always make sure that this one with a hundred dollars invested in it gets filled prior to this one with uh, $5 invested in it. And, and the reason I like unique rank is because by applying you by applying mini uniques to your portfolio of lineups, you are making sure that each lineup has the same amount of players different from one another in it. And so now that I know that, you know, my first lineup has the same amount of players different from my last lineup, I want to take advantage of Sabre score now. So like now that I know that now that the diversified that the diversity is locked in. Now I want to take advantage of Sabre score and get, or, or whatever sorting method you're using and then get the highest, the highest ranked lineups based on your sorting method into my highest prize pool contests. And that's the way that I've been thinking about it lately. Um, You know, I'm sure other players do it differently. I don't think there's a wrong or right way. I think that way it makes, makes sense and is sound. I've played around with a lot of different ways, but, um, Definitely could see the uses of unique random, but that's just something that I've been rolling with as of late, but really good question, Phantom. And then uh, looks like we had another question here in the Discord from Marky Mark. Marky Mark said, could you detail the sum product geometric means and average in the aggregate lineup rules? Uh, Follow up from Phantom. Phantom said, "Phantom said, great explanation. Thanks. Uh, happy to uh, hear that 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 uh, that worked for you. So, any follow up for anybody listening? Just let me know. Uh, getting back to this one, can you detail the sum product geo mean rules and averages in the aggregate lineup rules? Okay. So, if we were to go over to lineup rules, you know, I saw um, somebody asked this earlier in the Discord or, or somewhere. You know, can you apply?" Um, rules based on a lineup level the answer is yes you would do that under aggregate right so you open up your lineup rules you go over to rule type you go to aggregate this will apply rules based on a lineup as a whole so if i'm concerned about the projected score of my lineups maybe i want it you know over like 250 i could come in here and i could set that right so my projection sum at least i would put a value you know i just made up 250 off the top of my head i'm gonna save it now every lineup that gets into your pool is going to have to meet this threshold in the building phase before getting put into your lineup. So that's one way to do it. Uh, The question was around ownership rules. So we are going to talk about those. So what I'm going to do here, I'm just going to get rid of this rule, start fresh. So aggregate, I'm going to go to my own. And then what I'm going to do is, you know, first lineup, uh, my ownership sum, right? All this is going to detail is that you know, the total amount of ownership for all eight players as a whole must equal X number, right? We can see that in the post build here. That is a summary statistic already. So this own that you see down here, this is the sum ownership. 
If I were to take all eight of these players, add them up, that this is the sum ownership. You can set a rule for that to make sure that a lineup has a sum ownership above or below a specific threshold, whatever you like. Similarly, that's how it works for all the rules. You can apply that rule, you know, for, for product ownership, for GeoMean. Uh, we recommend using geometric mean. The number is bigger than product ownership and uh, tends to make a lot more sense. If, if you are looking for a detailed breakdown on what that is, you know, product ownership versus GeoMean, I did a support video for it last week. That should be live. If you go over to the settings drop down, you go over to help. I'm just going to pull this up for everybody to see really quickly because I also do want to make sure that this is up in the app. If you go to sabersim.com slash support, this is our support docs. You go over to these frequently asked questions. You hit view more. You go to this search for articles. I would type in uh, Geomine. And, okay, didn't find it here. Going to go to product. Maybe I'll try product own. Okay, how do ownership product and ownership geometric mean work? Open this up. And yeah, this is the video I did. I did a, I did an example in-depth analysis with, you know, formulas and numbers on a screen here. Walk through it in the app, in the aggregate rules. Walk through it in the custom metrics and filters for those, for those who have access to that on the pro plan. Showed you guys how to apply that many different ways. I would check out this video. This is a really good video. Uh, spent a lot of time, you know, making sure that these examples were were thoughtful and and somewhat easy to understand. But long story short, you know, the too long didn't read of it is that product ownership is a very very small number, and geometric mean is essentially a bigger number that is a lot easier to use and makes a little more sense in the app. So prefer to use geometric mean over uh, ownership product. And then, you know, lastly would be the average. The average is going to be like um, an individual player's average uh, ownership. So, for instance, you know, we could we could demo that here in the post build. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a custom metric here. And then I'm going to say my own average value. What the value is going to do is going to display the actual outcome of the equation if you use rank, what rank would do is it would give it a value from one to 500. If you had 500 lineups in your pool and just showing you, you know, the, the highest average to the lowest average descending. But for here, we just want to do value and what it's going to say, you know, this, my metric is my average, my own. So this is saying that the average ownership, if I were to take all the players, you know, divide by the number of lineup positions, the average ownership would be eight in this instance. Um, makes sense to me. So, you know, if you did 16.5 times eight, that would get you to your sum ownership of 132. So that is what average is. So, so by doing average, you're, you're basically telling the builder, you know, make sure that, um, if I were to add up all the ownerships, divide by the number of positions that the average was above or below X threshold. So that is the difference between the three. Let me know if you have any follow-up Marky Mark. We talk about it a little more. All right. Hopping over to YouTube chat. Uh, first question came in from Uncrabby Cabby. Uncrabby Cabby said, Hey, Andrew, how much sim diversity is too much diversity? I've noticed that even with the default sliders, the sims seem to overvalue bench players. Um, so Uncrabby Cabby, I, I would say that, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a threshold for like too much sim diversity. I think that, you know, the biggest change 
is probably okay. So, so the biggest change in sim diversity is going to be from zero to one because with zero, we are using all the sims in the database. At one, we are now beginning to bucket them into, uh, you know, smaller groups, right? So from, from zero, we're using all. From one, we are using a subset. And then from nine, we are using a subset of sims to 10 where we are only using a single sim. So I think those are like the two biggest jumps from nine to 10 and from zero to one. I think anything in between, you know, the way I like to think about it is that, you know, at one, I'm using closer to their average, but at nine, I am maximizing for upside. Uh, at nine, we are bucketing, you know, less sims. And when players do really good in those sims, you're going to get probably, you probably would get more, you know, bench players, uh, guys who come off the bench and see a lot of minutes and, and have high upside potential. <laughs> cough, cough. Uh, TJ McConnell for, for Indy, who has just been killing it off the bench. A lot of talk around TJ McConnell lately. But, you know, if, if, if you are seeing too many of those players for your own comfort level in your lineups, what I would do is I would walk sim diversity down, you know, maybe uh, closer to halfway or, or, you know, play around with it, run some sims, run some test sims, see what those exposures look like. But I think that, you know, if you are more interested in playing, uh, maybe maybe it's higher projected plays, right? Uh, you can handle that with a with a player filter, you know, do some player pool curation, maybe do some minute a minute filter, right? This doesn't always have to be players. Uh, this could be based on minutes, right? Maybe, you know, that's your way of, of judging whether a player is a, is a, um, is a, is a bench player or a starter, you know, maybe you don't want to play guys under 20 minutes, right? And, and you, you just use that as like a baseline metric as to whether, you know, if a guy's a starter, he's probably playing over 20 minutes. I don't think that is a bad rule at all. You know, that makes some intuitive sense to me. Um, I play NBA a lot. That makes sense. So what you could do is come in here, add a filter, you know, um, only show players with minutes greater than 20, you know, and maybe that helps you filter out some of those volatile uh, bench players. And that is, you know, your version of player pool curation. I think that's totally fine, right? So definitely some different ways to handle that, um, you know, interested in any feedback you have, but I would, I would chew on some of those ideas and uh, let me know if they end up working for you on Krabby Cabby. All right, question from Demetrius. What setting would you recommend for a 3-max DK NBA single entry contest? Okay, so this looks like a 3-man. Um, frankly, I would probably use GPP single entry, you know, sub-10 entrance. Uh, something like this I think is totally fine. Uh, you know, the, these are... You know, I, I prefer to trust the slider settings um, in in that format. So I would use something like that. And then second question, would you use more than three uniques? Um, if, if uh, well, well, now I'm a little confused because if you're building one lineup, you know, you're building a single entry for, for a three max contest, you know, you're only using one lineup. So, so it doesn't really matter how many mini uniques you apply unless you're using, unless you're playing multiple lineups. So, so if you're, if you're playing multiple lineups, you know, uniquely, if you have like five single entry three max contests, uh, you probably don't want to shy too far away from projected score. So 
what I would recommend is either using the same lineup in like a cashy type way or just playing the top, you know, five lineups based on probably projected score or, or saver score, depending on your, your version of it. But I think by applying too many mini niques, you know, you might end up getting too far down into your pool. It seems like even here with three mini niques, you know, we, we are still have enough, but see, there's a drop here. So I think this is what you kind of want to be aware of is that, you know, you're going to go from three, you might skip, you know, lines four five and six and get to seven to satisfy the rule. Interestingly enough here, sorting by Sabre score, you know, our seventh rank lineup has a higher projected score than our, um, than our third does. So that's why, you know, I might come in here and change this to projected score for a three man specifically, but, but by, by applying many uniques of three here, and I'm just going to reset this, make sure it's the same. So by applying many uniques, you might be skipping some higher projected lineups to get unique. That's the only thing I would be really worried about. Um, here we're going from lineup one to lineup five, skipping lineups two, three, and four. So, so I'd probably be interested in probably turning mini uniques off and, and getting the higher projected lineups for something like a three man. All right. Follow up from Demetrius. How do I input the RPS cores for NVA? I see the highlighted stars next to the players, but it would not let me set a core. Can you show me how you would input the cores into Saberson? Uh, so if, if I'm correct, if I go over here, you know, we released an um, update today. I don't think it's related to it. Frankly, I'm not sure. Um, my understanding is that, you know, with the with the SaberSim version for Run Pure, you know, you do have the cores and they do get starred. I, I thought if you starred them, they would essentially go into your core. Um, that's probably a better question for the SaberSim Run Pure joint show that we do. If you're unaware of that, uh, we do a show with Run Pure. It used to be Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, which would be prior to this show. I know they're doing a show on Wednesdays looking ahead to golf. So if if you're not aware, you know, we are doing a show with Run Pure on Wednesdays, I think at 12 p.m. Eastern. You could check the Run Pure content schedule. But uh, our our man Jordan does that show with Run Pure, and it's like a joint show. show so that would be a great place to ask that question they are using the run pure version of saber sim but um you know i think at the end of the day what you could probably do is you know worst things worse create a group manual rule and then just check in the cores and you know say use at least x number of players from the core but i would i would ask that on the run pure saber sim show and for now you could probably do it as a group rule uh there is a saber sim channel in the run pure discord you could probably ask it there some of the saber uh sim uh some of the run pure coordinators who are really familiar with saber sim you know who upload the cores who upload the projections are in that channel and can probably get you a better answer there demetrius all right uh doing a once over here that was our last question in the youtube chat and we are also through with all the questions in the discord uh, been about 45 minutes here, so I, I feel like this is probably a good time to end the show. For, for anybody who uh, has questions throughout the day, you know, throw them in the Office Hours channel. We had quite a few questions come in before the show today, so that gets us, you know, a steady um, start to the show. So I appreciate everybody throwing in their questions early. And for everybody else 
who tuned in and asked questions live. We'll be right back here tomorrow for our Friday show, 2 p.m. Eastern. Until then, I will see you guys. Take care and good luck in your contests.